Welcome back to part two of the Top Lines and Tales Smithfield Christmas Kissed Party. And if you've listened to part one, uh, you'll know what this is all about. If you haven't, then go back and listen to part one uh, in episode 160. This is episode 161, where we continue chatting with our host of 40-odd guests on our Christmas Zoom party about uh, those great days in Smithfield. And we come up with some cracking stories and uh, some brilliant japes and things that we got up to uh, highly interesting highly entertaining lots of drink flowing um maybe some of it offensive but uh, hey that that's life and that's how it was and hey, that's how it is so uh, enjoy uh, the second episode of our christmas smithfield kissed party and of course don't forget uh, that we need to thank harbro for their continued brilliant support with our top lines and tales podcast and uh, many thanks to them and make sure you look out harbro and find out how their range of nutrition can help and benefit you in your agricultural business so sit back and enjoy another hour of the top lines and tales christmas kissed party and happy christmas to all of you i talked to you earlier on and you said you used to go up the town there and i know there's one or two we used to go up the town in, in smithfield and, and in my first time in 1977 Ian won't admit anything of these there earlier on, but we used to go up to, to Soho in the in the in the in the back end of West London. Uh and, and a fairly dungeon sort of a place that by the time we got the eighties it all been cleared up a little bit, but it was uh, some of us would be seen up the town there wearing a bonnets and, and, and uh, having a bit of a bit of a time uptown. Yeah. We used to go down some of... stairs. You know, the first time they took me, went down these stairs and uh, I think the cheapest thing you could Buy was a jug of beer, and this jug of beer was a phenomenal price. And uh, it was about eight of us, you know. And I thought it's time I'm out of here, you know. I can see it getting very difficult. So I shot up the stairs, and as I shot up the stairs, the others broke broke as well and followed me. Yeah, and I'm running down the street, and there's about six big thugs after me, and. Uh, I jumped into a taxi, bugger me, for ten, 10 yards down the road, the taxi stopped. I opened the side door, stepped out, went straight down the middle of the reservation. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I couldn't do it now. But I, I was about 22 or 3 at the time. I was, in, I was, I was at full speed. It was, you know. Never caught up with it. Any, any more than they caught up with Donald McPherson and I, who never went down the town either. Because, uh, yeah, no Norman for that matter. None of us ever went down, or, or Julian up up that town when uh, when anybody was looking. They were, they were. There was a whole part of coming to town. There wasn't it. Uh, Smithfield show. There was a whole part of it. Yeah, all the farmers all came down and went. Yeah, went up the town and going back in the yeah, yeah. The, the older ones, I That's suppose, would go and see yeah. a show and whatever. We'd go and see a show as well. But it wasn't the Raymond Review Bar, was it, Norman? Bill. <laughs> No. Apart from a Sunday, never on a Sunday in the Raven Review Bar, because we always had judging. <laughs> but, you know, it's interesting to say uh, London welcomed the farming community coming to town. They loved it. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. loved it. And embraced it. There, there was yeah. never, you never heard a bad thing said about, you know, the invasion of London and the Air of Scott They loved it. <laughs> loved it they they would say the the, the the guy that owned the mowbrew's name i can't remember now you'll remember him uh, said that they would earn more money in smithfield week than the whole of the rest of the year put together and i think that was half of london would do that the farmers would come down there you know they, they yeah, and, and we had stopped when you know hector we had stopped when we go down there with, with we would we, we wouldn't go down there yeah. loaded with the money as some of the farmers would come down but we'd go down and see the sites there hector you, you'd have had a wander <laughs> up and down um, somewhere before now occasionally yes uh, yeah. Don't want to incriminate myself in anything serious. <laughs> yeah. uh, I remember one year, I can't remember who was with us, we went into this, paid money to go into a strip club and went through this alley. And bugger me, we went, they opened the door <laughs> at the other side and we went out the street at the other side. And, so, and we thought, we've been done here. But you looked around and there was these guys in bonnets and tweed jackets coming from other doors, and we all congregated in one strip club up the, the end of the... So, <laughs> so but yeah. and it wasn't, it wasn't worth the money to get in anyway once you got there, but it, <laughs> it, it's something you do there when was, you're... There was, a 
happen. Yeah. Oh, the yeah. bonnets looking round to see if you recognised them and hoping you didn't. Kenny Southern is saying quiet, Nicole. He never done none of that. There was, there was a, <laughs> and Ian, of course, Ian and Madge, have, well, Madge have keep you right. You wouldn't, you wouldn't get up the town and see some of that, would you, Ian? And Soho. Right. First two or three years, Andy, before Madge came down, I was never out of Soho. <laughs> no, I was never. I never ventured down down that. And you never met Madge down there. You didn't meet Madge in Soho. That's a rumor. Isn't no, it? no, 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 no. no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, Lily Langtree and some of these uh, local pubs here in Scott was good enough for me. I remember, uh, I think it was the Mowbray. <laughs> this particular day, went in and uh, we were just going at the bar downstairs, and uh, there was stairs going up to the bedrooms, whatever up there. I don't know, but there was a cut shit. On a stair, and it was there for the first day we were there to the last day. It was never cleaned. <laughs> Just the only thing it got harder and drier. I think that was in the white house. Maybe it wasn't a shit. It was a shit anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think that was the White House Hotel that we used to go to before. Oh, the White House. That was the White hotel. House. Aye. White Sandy, House. Sandy Beaton used to go there. Oh, yeah. Sandy staying there, yeah? Is Sandy now on the call? He was coming on, though. He's not there. Uh... No, no, that, the White House there, right enough. Uh, right enough. Pete Dolman dancing on the table. Aye, aye. <laughs> Yeah, there's plenty of those away now, the ones that, that, uh, that we'd had the crack with over the years there. But there was, going back oh. to the cattle a little bit, I mentioned on the Facebook page there that I remember getting the cattle into Smithfield. That was kind of a, it was a deal for all of us, cattle and the sheep for that matter, getting the animals into Smithfield to turn up in, in the Seagrove Road. Well, before Seagrove Road car park, I suppose, but Seagrove Road <laughs> car park, and we had to bring the animals ac across or bring the the boxes across and walk up that bloody icy ramp, getting those beasts in through mm. the door there. That was uh, that was some effort. And Julian, again, you you and I being on the later end of that one, on that side of it, uh, letting the animals in there it was uh, that was, it was treacherous. Oh, it was treacherous. Yeah, we had some early mornings, Andy, but uh, it was all part of the part of the show, wasn't it? <laughs> The, the the other thing that you spoke about there was that ramp. I remember standing at the bot at the top of the ramp one night with a, a, a elderly gentleman from Drimmon who escorted us down with Fraser Stock Ranches. Uh, a gentleman called Dan McCall. Dan, was from, Dan was from the islands, and he looked up at a full moon and he said, "I'll never, I'll never forget this." He says to me, Norman, he says, is that the same moon we, we see in Drimmon? <laughs> <laughs> he'd, never been, he'd never been, you know, south of Carlisle in his life. And looking, <laughs> here he was in London, um, looking up at this film. And, it, and it's all these kind of things that you remember about your experience at Smithfield, you know, that make it so special. <laughs> You get through the gate once you get there, and you get that the inspection, the, the, the wee wooden huts, and Michael Mims, the, the, the side lost now, Michael Mims, that go through through that inspection, and then the and the guys. Was, was Michael with the bed? <laughs> big, the bed. Yeah, the bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and then get through there, and once you got past, then you get through the gate, and and you're in. You know you're in then, and it's like you you could breathe again. You the warts and the ringworm and all the rest of the things you got in your beast. You got through with that, and you walk through, and you just walk in, and you're amongst you're in this building site with a whole load of people, you know, tractors and, and and machinery and what have you, all just going on, paint smelling everywhere, and just wander through the middle of this place and find your stall, and the, and then get in there. The, the, the smell of it all, Norman. The smell of it all in. It was just phenomenal. Just get in, get into that. Once you got through that domain door, was phenomenal, wasn't it? 
So I've just I've just looked up here real quick when one of the, the, the glass cage key owners on that's joined us Toad. Welcome Hi. to the party. Hi Toad. Good evening. Had a key in a padlock um, <laughs> for the glass cage. Yes. <laughs> so, sorry, I'm late. Have I missed much? Do, do we went through the the, the runners and riders? We went through through the. Uh, we started with a five minute intro of all people that won Smithfield, and it took about twenty minutes. But your name was mentioned there that you got yourself in the glass in the glass box. Thank you, sir. Yeah, good lad. There's a few people that had that honour, and it's uh, it's an honour. I, I liken it being inside the glass box. It's a bit like being inside the tent, pissing out for once. And uh, that's, that's that's where the, uh, you had that honour of being inside that glass box, which is uh, is uh, it's a huge honour. It was, it was certainly was, and it was good stealing as much memorabilia as, as possible, leaving Errol's coat that time. <laughs> You're only supposed to steal the padlock, not 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 all the all the tractors and the machines around you. Know. Anything, anything's available, get stolen. <laughs> it's, no fun, it's no funny when you wake up in the morning, you've no got the key in your pocket. <laughs> Andy, I'm going to sign off, and I just wanted to congratulate everybody, and I mean... And what Smithfield uh, did for the world is tremendous. If you look at the history of, you know, of, you know, back to 1798, I mean, the leadership that, that you guys provided the world is, is just fantastic. The judges you provided, you know, the international always used an international judge up to the first year after World War II, uh, I mean, Walter Bigger, I think, judged it 13 times and set our trend and what was right on our end of it. And and doing research with Andy, I'm just extraordinarily impressed with how many livestock people you have over there that that know multiple species extremely well instead of just one pigeonholed little deal. I mean, you, people that you know, can breed excellent sheep and horses and cattle. And, and again, I'd just like to congratulate you and thanks for inviting me and, and have fun. He was, uh, thank you again. And, well, and, and congratulations. Well, I'll just, just, just hang on there, Bob, for a second, because Bob and I are doing a deal to, at the moment where we are writing together and we have been researching now for two or three years the history of Aberdeen Angus cattle going back from the 700s or something. It's going back a long time. Bob's a historian. We've gone back right into the weeds, as, as he says, with the, the beginning of the history of the Aberdeen Angus cattle with with, um, with Hugh Watson and, and Charles McCombie going back into the, the, the two, three hundred years. And everything that went with that, and we got photographs and everything, and for a book, and the book's going to come out. Should have been out by this Christmas, Bob. Bob's, yeah, we've got plenty to do yet, Bob. But uh, it, it'll uh, be it'll be by next Christmas. It'll be middle of summer anyway. We've got a no, massive book coming out, so uh, it'll be there for sale. And 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 you, this is your man in, in front of you there. He he he's the guy that's put this together, and I've given my my side to it as well. But uh, Bob, it's good working with you, and we'll keep it going, and we'll get it out there shortly. And uh, everybody, get yourself a copy. Yeah, it'll be fun. Uh, we go down a lot of rabbit holes that haven't been gone down before. So there you go. Thanks, thanks again, and uh, and you all continue to have fun. By, Do by the right, I'm just going to mention the the, the if We're still on here now before everybody runs away. But uh, the downstairs, there was a lot of us used to sleep downstairs when I first went there. Julian, you and your father slept downstairs. I think no need to go out and get a hotel when you can sleep in in a perfectly good. Rat hole, oh, oh, shit hole of, of a place downstairs with it, with a bed and, and, and a mattress, and take your own bunk roll, and, and uh, we all lived down there, didn't we? We did it. We did, Andy. It was uh, we were in uh, hall uh, B, B, right underneath, B. Um, with the quite a few of the Sussex, Welsh guys, all the York, Yorkies, uh, some of the Lincolnshire lads, and yeah, it was a big hub. It was a mucky old place, but there was a fantastic vibe vibe to it down there everybody cooking and everybody mixing great uh it was a hell of a long walk underneath and i know one of the first years i stayed under there god by the time i finished i had blisters left right and center i think certainly got the wrong boots on um and then you had to a lot of the scotch guys some of the others were in i believe it was uh hall a, a yeah, which yeah. was near yeah which was nearer the um stairwell and the food the food uh 
food area, which was a damn sight easier. I thought how lucky they were to have that little short walk. But anyway, it was it was it was the smells and the ambience, and it was all part of the the Smithfield memories, which we all have. That's, and, that's, uh, that's where I met you and your family, Julian. Um, was it? Was it down there? Down there, you know, Peter Best, and oh, you know, we, yeah, we were, Pete, yeah, we were all kitted out in that hall with you and your family, and uh, I mean, that yeah, is, it was absolutely magnificent. Oh no, it was a, it was a, there was a, it was fantastic, and it, it did ebb later on. Um, everybody moved out a bit, and the last time. I slept down there. Was we'd stopped showing live. We just showed in the carcass, um, and the 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 hall was fairly empty. So the the following year, I think most of us decided to find a hotel and ended up uh, with one of my fellow stewards down Earl's Court Road in a real dive. I thought, crikey, God, we've gone from sublime to the ridiculous here. <laughs> They condemned um, it eventually, yeah. I think, though, didn't they? I think they sort of stopped it. So, yeah, we did find a little, well, the big hotel at the back of Hills Court where a lot of people stayed, and, uh, yeah, that was a little bit better. But, uh, no, lots of lots of fond memories. Still see them as clear as a bell, and great, great folk to yeah, stay with. Yes, you go you go back to, to those days and say we moved out, but, I mean, um, Julian, you went, you progressed from... Um, show in to Stuart. I progress from showing to Stuart as well. And let's just, while as we go on, let's have a wee talk about, about how, how difficult, I mean, and Donald as well, for all Donald you know, was on the, on the, the committee there. And, um, I was at the council, should I say, to get, to, to, to organize and get the animals in and out of Smithford, it, it, it would have, it became, it would be such a huge effort. I mean, anybody look at it now and they say, get 400 animals in, into the middle of London and put them into a, to an, an environment for five, six days, whatever it was, and cattle and sheep and what have you, put them all in and then get out again. Hell of a job to do, but yet somehow it just seemed to work, didn't it? I mean, I, but, but maybe it's just because it carried on working year on year that, it, that, that it, we just carried on being the same and, and the effort we put into, but a huge job, really, and, and uh, it, it seemed to work so clockwork, didn't it? It did, Andy. I think that was the thing because it went from year to year. Uh, everybody knew from the stewards and obviously all the stockmen and everybody had been from year to year and a few new ones drifted in and certainly got the know-how. Um, and yes, to go to become a steward, I, I was, yeah, it was it was a challenge, but you soon drifted in and, and got stuck in with the lads when you were started showing with the likes of Ian Grant and uh, uh, Jim Goldie, um, lots of experience there and great, great, great guys, fond, fond memories. And you just, um, yeah, and the whole vibe of it, you never forget. And getting those cattle, as you say, through the, through the veterinary side, um, we never had a lot of trouble. It, uh, um, and that's where the whole show started. And it, it just kept going right the way through. It but, was yeah. take, take and give, really. I thought I always saw that. I thought as a youngster, and I still do that now. I try and do that. Hopefully, we all do that. We're all of an age now. There's no youngsters on here. Maybe there are, but uh, we all taken a lot out of the industry, and we just put a little bit back, really. And I think that was as a steward was. You know, we've had the farm. We've done that. And it's how can we? Now we're not going to be exhibiting ourselves. How can we help and put that little bit back? And all the stewards had that that mentality, didn't they? To to have had that had that experience and then push it back. Oh, push it back in no, no, def definitely. You just did your bit, and and even when we stopped showing and still, uh, you know, I was stewarding. There was just great fond memories and and help. Everybody helped each other. Mm -hmm. I never saw any animosity through those show years. Everybody helped each other which was great if you're in trouble. There's always somebody there just to give you a hand. And as a steward, you were always there. We had a great team, Andy, didn't we? You know, the years, few personnel changed. Some of the older gents moved on and packed up. But we, at the core, we had a great team. And, and it's great. it was good being part of, well, it's great being part of that show. And, and as you say, putting a, a bit back into it for all the fun years we'd had showing um sure. and still being part of a fantastic organization sure 
and 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 of course we'd have to put up with uh, have to put up with they would have to put up with us so the royal family would be turning up and then all the entourage that came with that as well and uh, there's a few people on here will have their stories about meeting the the royal I mean I people go around my house and they see pictures of the the queen and the queen mother and Prince Charles on the wall it's like who is this guy and it's like well it just happened to be while I was there at the Royal Smith for show and we've all got those haven't we because they turned up and the uh, royal family really enjoyed getting involved mm-hmm. and I know yeah at least it. Or Hector would, would, would they, they'd, they'd search him out really and say, "Where's Hector?" I said, yeah, "I know the Queen Mother was your personal friend, Hector. I think." <laughs> <laughs> on on first name down, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, two or three times she was always there to present the Duke of Norfolk Trophy, and between Angus and Limousins, we had quite a lot of cattle in these teams over the years. So <laughs> you were fortunate enough to meet her. Frequently, really. The Queen Mother, she just loved Smithfield, didn't she? That was yeah. every year she was there, just about, and part of the furniture, really, wasn't she? She uh, she just loved the stop. I, I, I got a bollocking, I, I do remember, and I've told this tale before, I know, but I got a bollocking for my first year when there was a room in Julian, I remember it as a steward, as it called, I think it was called G9, and it was just a room yeah. somewhere underneath the bowels of, of, in, the, in the back end of Earl's Court. Earl's Court had all these little rooms stuck away, didn't it? These little, little parts of, of the corner that you never really saw unless you were, you know, the public never yeah. saw anyway. So to go in there, so the Queen Mother came in there and it was all done in drapes and, and she needed her, her drink. She'd had to walk around the cattle and she needed a drink. So she came in and she needed a, a Duboni and a, a gin and Duboni she used to drink. So, so they get a gin and Duboni. So they, the, 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 the guy behind the, the, the counter serving the drinks got the gin and Duboni he hadn't got any so I as the youngest new member of the of the of the team was sent to, to was detailed to go and find us at Duboni so I had to send a guy down Earl Scott Road running flat down there down to Vicky Wines and bring a bottle of Duboni back in there while she stood there looking at it and looking vague and nobody was allowed to drink until she got one as well so I had to stand there and wait until <laughs> her, her drink came in there which was uh, it was unfortunate but yeah they, they, they were great times and hey Donald you Donald you'd have met the Queen Mother again the Queen and the Queen Mother kept giving you bloody trophies and uh, you'd have you'd have had some you'd have had some crack with the, with the QM. <laughs> yeah, my dad met her a couple of times, and the second time, um, she said the Queen Mother said to him, "Oh yes, I met you last time," and he, of course, he'd had a couple down his neck before that. And he up there with both hands, and he's got a fairly good handshake. Uh-huh. Grabs both hands and said, "How the hell are you, my dear? You look really well." <laughs> <laughs> I could just hear him saying that to you. <laughs> hey, Andy, can I break in? Be cheeky. Surely, yeah, go on in. Lovely day. Uh, I'm going to show you a photograph where you're talking about the Queen Mum. Uh, this is when I was at Rushwater and I see Charlie McLean there. There's Charlie up there, yep, yep. Photograph. And we had uh, the Queen Mum had been the. Uh, this was at the Queen Mother's 90th birthday, and uh, we we produced cattle uh, uh, in middle of London somewhere, Hyde Park, I think it was. Yes. Yeah. But anyway, uh, she specially asked the cattle with a bull, Angus bull, and a Highland cow. Okay. Charlie McLean and Brian Wills was a stockman, and I was a manager at the time at Rushmore Pedigree Herds. So she requested that she would like to see these cattle back at Errol's Court that next uh, uh, back end, uh, December. So we had to produce these cattle for the Errol's Court. So I was just going to let you see the photograph. Uh, if Charlie's still there, I think he is. I see him in the distance. Uh, so here it is. If you can, if you can zoom in on it, I don't know. I can't zoom in. I'll let you show it. To the, yeah. Okay. There's Charlie in there. You see that? Is that when you shaved that bloody Highlander? Is that, is that you in? Is that, that, that you, bl- you blame Charlie for that? <laughs> That, no, no, that was Charlie. That, that I had nothing to do. You blame Charlie. I knew you did. Charlie, come on, tell us. Charlie, tell us about this shape because you've never defended yourself. He has told me this on this story before that, uh, that when I said you sh- you clipped the Highlander, he said no, no, it was all down to Charlie. Tell us about yeah. shape. Tell us about clipping the Highlander and getting the bollocking from the Queen. Uh, I think it's something that he's always said. I, he gave me permission to do it, so I'm still blaming him. Really. <laughs> <laughs> we the hair off the Highlander, but you know we're just trying to show what Smithville is all about and how good they are. Exactly. So, 
Yeah, some folk liked it, some folk didn't, but we yeah. never, would never have tried to do that with a, with a female, for instance. You know, it was a dehorned steer. Uh, you 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 didn't have tried that with a with a female, but anyway. But these were these were the days, Charlie. They were, they were. But it was the tail me you're halfway back home again. Further <laughs> <laughs> away from Smithfield. <laughs> I, I don't know if you know, but Charlie has left the south and he's now in Berwickshire with his great pal Donald, and that's the race he's sitting there tonight, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're, they're both totally sober, and, and Donald's not caught anything contagious in in Singapore. So they're all they're all good. <laughs> no, no, before before I go, just another word I would like to say. I see, or Hugh's maybe not there now. Hugh's still there. Yeah, he's there. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> before the end of your program. I'd like Hugh, I couldn't tell this story the way that Hugh can tell it. It's about a chap called Tubba. Some of you know Tubba. Hugh used Tubba as a, as a great help. Tubba was a good help. Uh, maybe not the best of a stockman, but a good help. <laughs> and uh, so this is the story about the first time Tubba was ever in an aeroplane and he was going down to Smithfield to help Hugh. Now, Hugh, if you're still there, could you... Come and tell the story about the plane <laughs> and, and also about the the the, the soil, the, the divot. I know this. The divot, the, 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 the right. oh, listen to this story. The, fir the first time Tubba, John McLeish is his real name, but Tubba, everybody would know him by. Um, I think he'd went down in the lorry, but then on the way home, he decided to come in the plane, but we didn't have a ticket. So Lynn went and got, managed to get a ticket for him. And we were going on to the plane, I think it was. Before we went on the plane, Lynn had said to him, um, you have to keep sucking sweeties. Oh. Or to keep his, keep your uh, ears, to be, make your ears pop. So while we were on the plane, Lynn sat, sat back and she was leading about. Turbo was excited, sitting there. And he had finished the packet of sweeties. And then the next thing, the plane's ready to take off. But it was like the scene, I don't know whether you've seen Crocodile Dundee the first time he was on the plane. <laughs> he let out this almighty roar just when the plane was taken off up the runway. So that's, everybody in the plane had a good laugh at that, right enough. <laughs> I take it the soil, the soil one would be, I can't remember what year it would be, but we were all going down the plane to Presswood Airport and I'd, Forgot to put it in the kist, so I gave it to Tubba Kenan. It might, it was just about the time the drugs would be starting, and I was a wee bit feared what would happen. So I thought, I'll give this to Tubba and put it in his case and see what happens. <laughs> right enough, just a four over getting boarded with passenger McLeish. Please report to the I don't know what it would be, but it was to the authorities anyway. So away we went, we we're sitting there pissing myself laughing, Kenan exactly what it was going to be. <laughs> And what a job Tubba had a wee bit of stutter. And when he got excited, he stuttered even more. So him trying to tell these authorities and the stewards what this soil was in his case for, you can just imagine. <laughs> you know, I carry on from that, Hugh. And was, you know, uh, Jim Donald and Jim McKechnie would say to you, you know, of a Saturday morning, get yourselves across the that mausoleum right across the road from Aerosport, uh, kind of Fulham, Brompton uh, right Road graveyard. He says, and start looking for Mohawk. And you would come back with, you know, bags and bags of Mohawk, especially dug soil. You know, and, and, and it worked. Putting down in front of cattle just to let them lick and get their, their, their gut sorted out with travelling from Edinburgh to, to London. You know, and then a change of water, change of feeding. You know, we were streaks ahead of, you know, all these animal people, you know, talking about how things work out and how their guts work out and their, their rumen. We were streaks ahead years ago. You know. And it was only <laughs> I remember you saying, I remember, I, I think it was Archie telling me, that, that, saying that, yeah, they, they took those down there because you just take the... Just a bit of soil down from the just from the the local and put that in front of them and that would just get them 
to settle the gut from where they've been used to be grazing. Archie, you on? I, I seen Archie come on early on. Has he been coming? Yeah. coming? Still there, Archie? Can you, can you imagine breaking about the mausoleum graveyard at half five in the morning, picking up soil? Yeah. <laughs> Grave robbers. <laughs> it was a hell of a hard for these animals to be inside the, inside the I suppose they would be used to being inside but not being used to being inside like that stuck in without seeing any daylight for five or six days so that's what they, they just needed to, to something different and um, would you do the same that, uh, Hector would that be the same thing with David Sinclair because you need to bring a fucking oh, wheelbarrow oh, yeah. you need a truckload of this but, stuff a dumper in with yeah. you Bert Rugg that helped us was always in Bert Rugg's later days. He was always well organised and he had a couple of bags of sods to take with you. And, yeah, I and it works. It, it's worked for decades, centuries. So we were doing nothing new. It's what's been done for a long, long time. We had that in about three ton of turnips. Just <laughs> brilliant times, brilliant times. And and, uh, and anybody remember the fire being down in the basement? You guys are right there with that one because that's one I remember quite, quite right. Be, be there. Late late eighties, early nineties, weren't they? When they decided to, somebody decided to set fire to the place. Do you remember that, Tote? Yeah, was that the animal rights? Was it? Yeah. <clears throat> I was yeah. thinking earlier on, mate. Archie was joining us. I was hoping he's going to share a footage of the stripper at the kiss party. Oh. Maybe ask me. Maybe ask me. He's no. already stopped now. <laughs> that wasn't a strip. That was one of our uh, uh, stewards' wives. Our wives That's today, right, wasn't right. it? <laughs> Lovey's definitely got it in video. I can guarantee you that, but it's never came to light. No, I think Willie might have paid him out by that one. But do you think Julian could have bought the rights to it? <laughs> it was but, okay. It was, it was a good party. I remember it well. <laughs> but Julian, do you remember? Were you there because the, the, the animal rights set fire to the to the basement down down at the bottom to the straw that used to be underneath Earl Scott? They decided to. Mm. You know, to, to make their mark, whatever they used to turn up every time, didn't they? I mean, because they weren't as, yeah, as very much as they are now, but I mean, they, they, they set fire to the place down there and the smoke was pouring up through the gratings into into the, the, where the cattle, we had to get the cattle out. Yeah, I did remember that. It seemed to pass fairly quickly, um, but I think it was some hay, wasn't it, that, that down in the weather sheep uh, stole all the... Uh, didn't pass, it was hay, you're uh, right. We didn't pass that quickly because we had to, being, being in the building, it was Saturday night it was, being going yeah. in the building just to go and feed my beasts and, and uh, uh, literally take every animal outside and, and yeah just... maybe I, I can't quite remember but I remember being down there and in amongst the smoke and whatnot to see what the damage was mm-hmm. but uh, yeah not a particularly nice occasion there but anyway pull all the animals outside and and again it yeah. was something to do it now if you look back at it I mean Julian twenty years ago could we do that anymore could we get a show I mean it's hard enough to get shows yeah the the, the outside in the summer but could we get a show in the middle of london it would be unbelievably impossible no, just absolutely i think that was the demise of it when you get the likes of them well i think it was john deere and Agco that pulled the plug really because they realized it was too expensive and and what the t- councils in that area where Earl's Court was based yeah. was just far far too he was just pushing everybody out and and as we know things have moved on and these big boys they were doing better having demonstrations, and that was the demise, really, of of Smithfield, which was a damn shame because it was those big boys that were supplementing the Smithfield club. Basically, sure. we were living on we were living on their backs. Sure, and, and when they pulled the plug, that was it. You Julian, know? And it was just the pure cost of it. Yes, Julian. Yes, can I break in? Can I break in? You can. I don't know if it's one of my idea, but. A show like that, the biggest show in the UK, surely the government should have stepped in and done something to keep it going. Well, I think and, I think you, and I think you know, yeah, I think you know <laughs> how any whoever's in government, Ian, they struggle to pay for a lot of things anyway. But uh, I think the way they look after agriculture at the moment, and they have done for the last twenty years, it'd be the last thing on their pay list, wouldn't it? That, that's probably the answer, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. You know. Donald, you were the one that broke the news to me and, and broke my heart, I think, at the same time. I remember you phoning me about February time and we're just uh, looking, so that would be a year and a half after, so looking forward to the 2006 shows. It'd be February 2005 and you phoning me and saying, yeah, this is not going on. I went to, no, it's, it's almost like somebody telling you your dog's dead, you know, it's just like, uh, you couldn't, I couldn't pick that up, but I mean... You were you were very much in the th- in the throat of it as well yourself and and Donald Bigger and, and and tough times wasn't it it was just uh, it was heartbreaking. Yeah, the other thing the other thing that continues though at great speed is a whimper. You know, and the you know I would I would argue that there's horses that are a lot more mental going into a building in the middle of London than there are cattle. But Donald, mm-hmm. Donald, I'm just going back to uh, just uh, pulling Donald, putting Donald on the spot there because you're speaker. Just you're, on, you're off mute there. What uh, your take on it, really? When 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 it went down, were we expecting it? Did we see it coming? Uh, I suppose it was on the cards, Andy. Like you know, when it, when the kind of shit hit the fan and Michael Heseltine's company took over Haymarket, as soon as that woman spoke to us that time. Yeah, yeah. You, that's it. The the game's up because all it was was money, and it was nothing to do with keep. You, it was totally money. Um, the machinery boys paid for it all. The Smithfield Club got paid thirty thousand to run competition. The Smithfield Club had no other uh, financial interest in it. So as soon as the machinery boys pulled out, it was curtains. It was the end of the end of story. Nothing we could do about it. Really disappointing, and it was horrible. But end of an era. But I'm right in thinking that the the, um, the Earl Scott had been sold to developers long. I mean, it was a listed building for God's sake. So how the hell they managed to flatten it? But it had been sold to developers again. Going back to the rumours in sort of 1998, it had been sold to a, to a, a development company who were going to do something with it. So the the, the, the building was never going to stick, was it? I don't know enough about that side of it, Andy, I'm afraid, but but I know, I, I do remember the, the meetings that were had with the, that lady and it wasn't good, it, it, it wasn't good at all. And I, I, got, I was sickened with the whole thing that day and uh, I just didn't want to be part of it after that. Because mm-hmm. uh, she was totally money-orientated and I have to say for herself, or for for Haymarket events, not for the Smithfield Club or anything. It was totally for them. They got they got a good deal. We got a shit deal. So I'm still bitter. <laughs> <laughs> not not at all. But I, I'm right thinking. Didn't they have hold of, of the Raw Show as well? And this thing went the same way, if I remember rightly, didn't they? Mm, yeah, mm. they did, Andy. A lot. Of, there's, there's a few of us left on this call now, but there's a lot of people there. Would just uh, worry that that. Uh, the two of those going the same year was, or not the same year, but within a short space of time was uh, was a sad reflection. But uh, the, the yeah. same name being involved in both of them is actually quite scary. Well, they were they were part of the Royal Show setup when we tried to went to the Royal Show ground to get the winter event going, and the first year went fairly well. But the money they wanted to run it for the second year absolutely threw it out of the the window. As a club, we couldn't afford it. Yeah. Yep. Silly money. Yeah. And that was her markets again. Well, well, Julian, you're still involved in, in the, the, the Smithville Show, I believe, or Smithville Show Council, so I'm not going to put you on the spot in front of, embarrassing in front of everybody else, but I mean, obviously, the Smithfield Show proofies have moved on and they've gone various various places. We did try, as you said, with the, 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 the Royal Showground for a couple of times for Peterborough. I think it went to southwest of England for, for a while, trying to pull that event together and and the trophies still go round and 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 round are they still doing that is is the is the whole yeah, so it, it show different. trophy still still making the, the coming to the right places and doing that what they should do yeah so it's, it's been once once the demise from london you know the the, the different societies that took us on the uh, uh royal royals um People. Bath and West, Bath, Bath and West. That's it. Super people looked after as well, um, but the, just the monies weren't there, Andy. Um, and then we moved from there to the Royal, and again a similar situation. And from the Royal to Peterborough, and it was just a 
difficult, dif- difficult transition through those different shows and societies. And there was, uh, and trying to get people in to watch those shows. Obviously, you've still got the winter shows in Wales, Scotland that are very successful, but we're being banded around. And yeah, it, it's it's sad times. I'm yeah, I'm still involved. Um, we've been trying to get forums going. And then obviously Brexit came in, and uh, and then COVID threw a spanner in the works. And uh, yeah, it's a, the club is still going by a million million miles away from what what it was. We, as you all probably know, most of you know that we still have our trophies with different societies and presented for different championships, which is good. But as a club, it doesn't bring any pennies in. Um, so yeah. It's we're steady away at the moment. What the future holds, we keep battling away, Andy. Yeah. Um, but uh, just a million, million miles away from those fantastic days we had in London and Earl's Court. Well, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be sad about it. We should be, as I said, nineteen years this year, twenty years next year. We shouldn't be sad about yeah what, what's gone. We should all be joyful about the, the occasions that we had down there, and, and uh, all of us on here. You know, I'm trying my best to, to to make sure that we all celebrate that. I mean, it'd be nice if we could find some more stuff from the Smithfield Club, maybe in the way of photographs or or, or, or I don't know what um, archives that the Smithfield Club have. But if you're doing a fantastic job here, Andy, maybe I ought to have a word with um, uh, Richard Saunders, our secretary, or something like that. And yeah, it would be a great thing to pull together a memorabilia of everybody. What you've done tonight is superb. Um, uh, uh, it shows with the people you've got on this Zoom meeting that there's still a there's still a hell of a feeling for the Smithfield and the old Smithfield. And you're right to keep those memories is 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 well, none of us will lose them. Yeah, the rest of us have all had those, all had the crack and had the, the stories. And I know Tote was going on there to tell us a story about some of the, the crack that he'd done down there. So Tote, I'll put you on the spot there for, for the for, let's let's take it forward a little bit. I'll have a drink and just just remember some of the some of the crack. You, you, you never were never allowed down Soho, were you? Just after your day, maybe. <laughs> I remember, do you remember? Uh, was it my twenty first in the? Was it a lily or the the? What was it a tournament? Was it was that the other one? A tournament. I remember. A well, I invited for a, for, a, for a birthday drink and then I was like, sure, I go, Jesus, those things don't get much clothes on. She turned out to be the stripper and then uh, I remember getting whipped in the roundabout at a tournament hotel and I turned out by the 21st to remember. So I know we had a lot of good fun. I must admit, it was a good crack. You missed it. You missed it slowly. There was some banter over the years. The whipping. You must <laughs> Great days, though. Great days. Oh, honestly, honestly. Everybody, you know, you speak about, you know, but unless you'd been there, you've got no idea what it was about, can I, innit? London was mm. special, you know. It was a shame when I had to come out of London, you know, but was it the end then, can I, innit? You know, so it's a shame because it was, as soon as you arrived in London, it was special for the minute. Oh, and very, then you, very... you always come home with the Smithfield flu for a week or two, innit, eh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, back years ago, yeah. uh, before at the West Centre, before it was yeah. at the West Centre to tell, you know, everybody, the, the Scottish congregation, and you know, Ian and Madge are on here tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were part of that. But, you know, everybody who was anybody was in that, you oh, know, the, the West Centre. In the the, yeah. the, the center. I mean, if, and you had young Ian Patillo on the accordion playing till half five in the morning because he wanted exposure as an accordion. Mm-hmm. And there was a wee Filipino boy behind the bar whose name I forget. I shouldn't have forgot, but I do. And at half five, it says I've run out of drink. <laughs> so, <laughs> <I> said, <laughs> So, hey, Archie, how you doing? Sorry, sorry, I couldn't join you earlier, but uh, I'm sure you've had fun. <laughs> We're really <laughs> just getting to the stories, are you, Archie? So, are you just getting to the stories? Yeah. Are you just getting to the stories. <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll, I'll tell you, um, no, no stories right enough, but um, I was just thinking there was a wee debate going on on Facebook the other day about, about humbugs. I, I was just thinking to myself, uh, 
uh, well, I used to, uh, well, when we started showing Carl, we never, we never showed with Hamburg. But um, uh, through the years, you get more and more cattle that were that were uh, kind of badly educated, and and there's nothing worse if you if you were showing a beast that was very well educated. Somebody behind you was uh, was coming up against you and up on top of you. So, so you, you started to see where the humbugs became quite useful. At least, at least folk had, had control over them. One occasion I was thinking of that, uh, I Donald McPherson will probably remember that uh, um, John Warnock had sold a, a heifer to Arvin Jones and, and uh, Arvin asked him if he would show it at Smithfield. So John came down to Smithfield to show it. But but uh, on that occasion, the beast wasn't that well educated. And when John went in with with uh, with a beast without a humbug and he, he get, <laughs> it was quite amusing when he got towed right round the ring. He, he, he made a nice spur in the in the silver sand going round the ring. But, <laughs> uh, uh, that was one thing. I, and I remember I remember Toe had a beast that uh, in fact you were reserved champion, weren't you? Right. Uh, you, you, you had a beast that uh, wouldn't he walk without a humbug in no, his nose? No. You showed you showed it with a humbug in his nose, and we no rope in the humbug, didn't you? That's that. He's hung as long as that was a handbrake. <laughs> see, see when they split the rings up there, they they used to split the rings. But they, they, a couple of wee metal posts and a bit of red rope there. I mean, and then they'd show the. They show the crossbows in the one side that were generally, as you say, actually fairly well educated, and some other things in the other side, the South Devons or whatever, you'd come careering, or the Galloways come careering from the middle of the bloody ring, taking taking the peg down, and all the, the red ropes were just coming smacked through the middle of the other ring. It was it was it was hardly I know, it I was know. hardly health and safety, uh, was it, Julian? <laughs> another quite embarrassing situation I had was was actually the year I won the championship with a uh, with Klansman and. Um, uh, we were getting presented with the Queen Mother. The Queen Mother at that time was 98 years old. And uh, 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 so I was standing in front of her with the, uh, the Klansman. And Klansman was quite a canny beast, right enough. But, but anyway, one of the stewards decided to come up behind me and, and shove the sash over him. And she, he just gave a leap forward. And, and uh, it could have been quite embarrassing. Like Fortunately, he stopped before he had the Queen Mother, right enough. <laughs> well, I... I, I Actually, I got in trouble for that because I, <laughs> that, that was 98, wasn't it? That was. That 98, yeah. and I, I was guiding the Queen's mum up, up to you, presenting you, and yeah. I could see what was happening, and I sort of, I didn't touch the Queen mum, but I sort of got, I thought, God, she's going to land in a heap in a minute <laughs> if I don't watch it. <laughs> and when we went, when I took her back out, out of the main ring to take her to the sheep section, the factor. Who was the factor uh, looking after her? Martin Leslie. Was, and uh, yeah. he quietly came up with a smile on his face and just, um, you just, you just don't put your arm around mom. <laughs> I thought, right, okay, I've just been told. Um, <laughs> but I, I could just see her tripping over that sand and landing on her. You, oh, you'd have taken one for the team there, wouldn't you, Julian? You'd have taken one. I wouldn't have had much choice, would I? Yeah. But can I just say, well done, Andy, getting this together, and it's lovely to see everybody's face Julian, after oh. all these years. And uh, yeah, it was a privilege being there. Julian. It was good fun, good fun, privilege. I always enjoyed enjoyed your company, and uh, hey, we'll catch up one of the days. But we should have a to get together with a kiss party one of the days, properly. Yeah, right. that'd be a damn good idea. Right, yeah. But Matthew Milne, were you were you at the show? I see you in, in, in dial in here. Were you at the show? And I don't remember you being down there. You'd be a boy there, would you? Yeah, I, I was lucky enough to be at the last two. Okay. Um, just a magical place. Uh-huh. It was, I memories of a lifetime. Did you know breed one, Matthew? Somebody showed down there. Is that right? Yeah, I, I bred a few. I bred them um, the reserve champion in two thousand and two, I think. Treble chance, and uh, the next year I went two thousand and four. I was a junior bullock champion. That Would that year. be the one at Dermot Smalls? That was Dermot bought that one. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, you read that. Okay, right. And you were you were you went down and you were what bullock champion the year after? The junior, I was junior bullock champion in '04. Okay, the, the last year. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, um, no, I was I a magical place. Great memories of it. You, you yeah. probably didn't realise same as the rest of us how how much of an institution we were involved in. Really, in two hundred years. No, 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 exactly. And it, it's such a shame it's not there anymore. For like, there's a heap of keen young folk now, and to not have that. Mm. experience of Smithfield it's such a shame mm-hmm. for them 
you know, it's, it's, yeah, it was great times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, there's another, and Tom and McMillan from Broadsea, you know, huge success at both the Winter Fair and at Smithfield. Tom, uh, Tom, Fair yeah. Is- uh, I remember it, Tom certainly showing a black beast that was reserve champion. I'm just, I'll, I'll look back the years, but it would be, yeah, it would the, be the to of... reserve to Bob Douglas, I think, in '91, yeah, maybe. Yes. It was always a gale. Uh, it was always a gale. Donald, you, you just, just put you back on the spot there. You got youngsters in, 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 in about you there. You got grandchildren now. Is there something that you have? You got. Any youngsters going into to the to the cattle job? Any interest in going back in? Have any of us got any interest in going back into the job again? It's, it's, it's not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> that one that's just gone off his chair, he would be good. Who's that now? The wee one is that? Which one was that? The Ross? Donald McLean. Oh, of course. Oh, right, the young McLean in there. Okay, there he is. Oh, course. God, I remember you being born. What age are you now, then, Donald? Uh, 24. Right, okay. <laughs> Shit. Are, are you do a bit of this as well? Are you have been involved in it a bit? I've been involved since I was quite a young age from my dad and that, growing up with Charolais. But um, I've heard many, many stories of Smithfield and the Royal Show, so mm. I can know what it's all about. <laughs> yeah, I've just been helping my dad and that with Charolais cattle all my life, so... Kenny Sutherland, I see you sitting there quietly. We spoke on the phone the other day, and you sell a lot of store calves now, three, four hundred store calves a year, and breeding oh, a few, mate. breeding a few good crossbreeders. There's money in that, yeah. Let's just get get the get a calf away. Yeah, are very good. Yeah, it's getting getting the right money though. But you get you get the right good one. Mate. You get the right good one. It's, it's not one thousand. It's, it's three, four thousand. Still, a good one. Yeah, you do have to. Yeah, yeah. But it's just getting folk. To spend that kind of money, you know. There's plenty of folks that will spend, spend that money. Tom McMillan, I gather you're on the... You're, we get you off mute now. We can't see you, but we can hear you. Can we hear you? Hello, Tom. How are we? You forgot to tell about the cigarette when you get this, the stripper. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are listening, eh? I thought you were <laughs> I've got a photograph of that. <laughs> tell them where the cigarette was. <laughs> you can probably guess, right? <laughs> And she went out your backside. <laughs> uh, but was it lit? Was it lit? No. no. <laughs> I only went for a quiet pint. <laughs> do, do you remember uh, Robbie McKenzie? What happened to him? The old skid vicious and the jobby rotten when they get the food poisoning, eh? <laughs> 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 I was in bad shape. I had to walk all the way back to the West Centre to get changed. <laughs> when they come back, we're calling them skid vicious in the punk rockers. I shit rockers. Walking down to the West Centre with straight legs, eh? <laughs> Tom, Tom, you were, you were a big pal of, of, um, of Fred Harrington's there, weren't you? Fred Harrington would have been a man that you'd know, you know. I think you carried one of Fred. You one of the boys that carried one of Fred Harrington's <laughs> coffin, which was a bloody big thing, to, big big honour and a big thing to do. So yeah, tell us a bit about Fred, because he was some boy down at Smithfield. A big jovial character. Uh, I don't know, but you can see him. You like these Herefords. <laughs> He's just a big menace. <laughs> <laughs> a big, a big he was good fun. Yes, he was good. Along with Mr. Retty, mm-hmm. Mr. Beaton, Piccolo, Piccolo and some others. Yeah. Uh-huh. Sorry, Sandy's no, no, not no. on it. the last one of that crowd really left, but Big Fred was some boy there, wasn't he? Just uh, he, he would well, say it like it is, and he get into a few scrapes in London by calling. He used to call the local boy on the behind the bar. He used to call him Sinbad, which is never went. No I, one I was the Mowbray. Yeah. I remember the Mowbray once in the bar. There's a guy reading his paper. Total stranger. Fred just dropped a match below his paper. He <laughs> 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 no. was also very handy with a knife. Okay. Yes. He used to be able to cut it just below the knot. Another <laughs> 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 favourite with the knives was the, the boys passing bar six. With the bales, 
Aye. And a good sharp knife usually be the bail of it a dozen feet long or longer. That's <laughs> 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 Another wee memory, it's quite a few years, it's Nickel McClam and Dave Murray and a wee kiss party before I think your time to it. Aye. And Muriel was in the company, my father and several others, and Dave sang the fastest milkman in the West. <laughs> And Nickel, the day, day we went to Rossio, that was... I remember was, that, clear as day. Many years ago, was that, Norman? Oh. That was, well, that was I used to have a wee room. I would, I would think that would be 1978, 79. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, But I remember it as clear as day. Clear there were some other characters in there. Scott Watson was in it, no room. Correct, <laughs> Uh, and it was a very, very busy kiss party. <laughs> very compact. Very compact. <laughs> See, the thing is, back then, there wasn't really a kiss room, was there? I mean, the, the rooms, well, there used to be, out, out with, the, with the grounds, you'd have the, the, the bit out the back, used to be the, was it the West Brompton entrance or one of them? They just put all the kiss out there, and then they, and they didn't really make the room, so you just have the one area where you'd had, be, and they would sit. And the three three kiss areas up next to the, the, the live dead uh, section mm-hmm. so mm. they backed on to the, the, the meat hall you know but all covered in obviously but that's where the, the kiss parties were and your cattle were out in front of you I remember the, I remember the one the, the the incident with the Julian's fellow uh, steward is taking a top off to be uh, polite on this one <laughs> was down at a wee alley and they'd almost like they'd made areas I suppose they did they made some areas where you'd put it and it was like it's a long slingy room that sort of went down there almost like they'd made different kissed areas for for different things and and it was yeah, I know so Archie was in there because I didn't get the camera but there, there, there was, yeah, there, was, was, it was not, it was there wasn't many was people in that room thankfully. Uh, it was 2000, Andy, definitely. 2000, yeah. Archie's nose was about two inches off her top. I remember. <laughs> a, uh, <laughs> 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 I think that's how the videos never come out. <laughs> remember a pal of mine who was a big potato farmer in Herefordshire happened to be there at the time as well. And he knew Willie quite well as well, which, which was quite embarrassing, even more embarrassing. Him uh, trying to pour him, he went down with it with a, a glass in his hand, a, a, in his hand of whiskey, and they just kept every time they kept kept taking another sip, he kept more and more whiskey in it until he got like, halfway around, and he was just like, "This is just absolutely full of." So he poured it away, and he was trying to get back to the door, and he got a, another full glass coming back out the way. Well, it was just ridiculous. I remember saying to Donald, Donald saying, "I remember saying to Donald when we had the the, the farm tech, Donald, and um, when you won that one with mm. with Donald Barn, and there being." They kind of made a little bit of kiss there in the middle of the of, of the of the Earl's Court too, and I went there with Donald bigger the next morning to do a clear up, and we cleared up, and we picked up fifty three empty bottles of whiskey out with this, this place. But the whole thing it was like made of these plastic wall things, and they all just burst out, and the whole, everybody just it was just ridiculous. Walls only yes. lasted till half past eight. Yeah, I remember <laughs> those walls <laughs> leaned against, it and it just fell over. Yeah. <laughs> Thing at the seams, Andy. <laughs> Good crack. Yeah, yeah, indeed. <laughs> but Andy, it would be well into the 80s before we got kiss up on the, the same levels as cattle. That would be right, uh, Hector. Yeah, yeah, it would be. It used to be down below. You're going down and fetch them. Yeah, down oh, down yeah. everything had to stay down below. You were only allowed two or three bags of feeding up to do your That's day's right. work. That's it. And I used to remember how many steps we had to walk up, but I think it was about 60 steps. No, you did. Especially with about 400 bloody beasts in there. You keep all the feet downstairs and they keep you fit. But you're right, you did. You kept it downstairs and brought a bit up every day, didn't you? 500 bags of tunnels. <laughs> yeah. And that bloody mangle, somebody would have to turn the mangle down, they would have to turn, yeah. the, turn the, the sweet cutter yeah. down there as well, because it used to be outside of B block, that sweet cutter, and, and everybody would be down there just yeah. taking it in turns to I turn rem- the mangle in the fucking thing. I remember one year we had a drag of turnips and feeding, and we carried it all in. And it, was a, it must have been that night of frost, and they were all frozen, and we never 
we carried the turnips into the basement. We never used one for the week we were there because the turnips were frozen. Really, no use. No, what a waste of energy that was. No, it, it, I remember all the stuff being downstairs, but there was everything downstairs. You could get anything you wanted down in that basement. But I remember getting my car in there one time and thinking, I got my van when I first started selling the, the grooming equipment. I thought I'd get in there. So I drove in because I knew the layout by then. It's going back in the, it's the late 80s. So I, I drove my around all these things and managed to drive back and park it right outside a B block underneath there. And then these, these security guys came along and said, Who's this car outside here? Well, my fucking name's written on the side of this van. It's fairly obvious, fairly obvious who it was. Phone number as well on the side of this van, so they maybe shift it. But literally, you could you could get anywhere to anywhere, and there was machinery down there. Been there since the since the nineteen forties. Some of that stuff. And there was oh, all yeah. tanks and all sorts of things parked down there. It's brilliant. I remember a few years ago. Well, you know, back in the day, Fraser Stock Ranches under the the guidance of Jimmy Martin, and was prevalent at you know, these shows. And there was a, a a person who accompanied us called Jimmy McGregor. Old Jimmy was the inherent owner of Batshala Farm. <laughs> it was part of Fraser Stock Ranches. But Jimmy, to give you an idea, when I first met him, would be 89. When I first got into And through subsequent years of visiting various shows, Jimmy lived to the Grand Old Age of 98. But on one occasion in 96, we were at Smithfield show and Jimmy was with us and um, it was released that Jimmy was to meet the Queen Mother. And so Hugh Fraser at that time owned, very wealthy man, owned the House uh, of Fraser and Lawnrose and Harrods. So a taxi was dispatched and I think Evelyn Martin and Moira McConaughey escorted Jimmy McGregor to um, the House of Fraser or, you know, um, Harrods, where he was kitted out in the most splendid suit. Absolutely magnificent. Uh, uh, to to meet the Queen Mum back at Smithfield, so he was duly escorted very quickly back into the the, the cattle line to meet the Queen Mum, and outside, you know, opposite the Avenue Angus, duly the Queen Mum came along, and Jimmy was there, resplendent, absolutely, very attractive himself, you know, at ninety six, and the two of them spoke. And this is, this is on record, by the way, and Julian will tell you the story uh, if it's not captured in camera for 20 minutes. The stewards were going mental. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, you need to move on, ma'am. Old Jimmy commanded, the two of them commanded a conversation for 20 minutes. Really? And that's without word of a lie. <laughs> without word of a lie. It was something to see. It was magnificent. Magnificent. She did enjoy that. She she enjoyed very much enjoyed the the, the crack and, and folks with in that. Twenty minutes was a long time. Ah, so, no, three minutes would be a long time. But I introduced my mother to the Queen Mother, which which was introduced to me, and and I said, "This is my mother." And my mother had a three minute chat with the Queen Mother while I stood there and doing nothing. But she she just she loved to come around and have that conversation, and that crack yeah. with people, and she said it was the highlight of her year. Really was, and and just and, 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 and old Jimmy pestered her about things about ballot. Mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 how interesting ballot. <laughs> I mean, she knew a lot that it was magnificent. Sure. She'd always ask Ian Anderson as well. She'd always just check where Ian was. Just come over Well, Ian was the ship. So. Old, old Jimmy was a bigger legend than the Queen Mother. <laughs> 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 Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Top Lines and Tales, and I hope you enjoyed that hour in the company of some very distinguished guests there on our Zoom call for our Top Lines and Tales 
Royal Smithfield Show Christmas Kissed Party. And, and that wasn't actually the end of the party because so, it carried on for another few hours. So there will be an episode three of the Royal Smithfield Show Christmas Kissed Party to look out for in the near future. Um, so uh, stay with us on that one. I'd like to take an opportunity to wish all of our listeners a, a happy Christmas and uh, all of our listeners all around the world, wherever you are there, really appreciate your support there in tuning in every week to our Top Lines and Tales weekly livestock podcast. And of course, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Harbro, and Harbro has stuck with us now for nearly three years there, supporting and partnering us in the Top Lines and Tales podcast and uh, really value their support. So make sure that you go and look out how Harbro can help you with your nutritional requirements. Of course, they are manufacturers and suppliers of quality livestock nutrition and nutritional advice. So look out Harbro and uh, and pop down the store there and say happy Christmas to them. Happy Christmas to you, Harbro, if you're listening, and happy Christmas to everybody. They're uh, really... I really enjoy the fact that uh, so many of you tune into the podcast every week. So uh, happy Christmas, everybody.